gonna mess with your genome. You first. The locals are humanoid. They're a close match to most of the crew's physiology and genetics, but we'll need to make a few alterations if you want to blend in. Internally, they have a bunch of different organs that would take a lot longer to change, so just try not to get an x-ray. Change how exactly? Nurse Chapel is part of Starfleet's initiative to better observe alien cultures without contamination. You make disguises. And you pass a rocket ship. It's, you know, we're going all simplistic here. Takes. I'm your host, Adam Bowen, and with me, telling their tragic backstories are Emily Bowen Marler and Notch Garnick. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Um, I never thought this podcast, well, I didn't never think, but it's kind of strange sitting here thinking like we're in episode 100. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing this for nearly two years consistently. <laughs> I don't think we've missed a lot of weeks either. Um, it's pretty I intense, guys. I don't know Missed that we any. have. Yeah, so, um, I first of all, I just want to acknowledge that. Uh, so thank you for, for doing 100 episodes with me so far. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how cool is it that we get to talk about Strange New Worlds in episode 100? It's awesome. Yeah, we, we planned it that way all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. as we said in a previous episode, Alex Kurtzman worked with us on this. We have yep. an inside line. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, you know, we, the whole reason Strange New Worlds exists at all is because of us. You know, we were... <laughs> We're integral. We, each of us went to like Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, and Rebecca Roman's houses and we're like, hey, you should be in this show. We think it's worth it. Anyway, well, as I was saying before, welcome to Strange New Takes and welcome to Strange New Worlds. It's finally here. We're covering the first episode of Strange New Worlds, which has a very unique and cool name, Strange New Worlds. I just realized that was the name of the episode. (laughs) Well, hey, you know, we want to encourage you all to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You should tell all of your friends about our podcast and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and do like all the things to put our podcast out there because we're fun, right? Yay! Yes, we are. Uh, yeah, and this is the point where I tell you that uh, we're going to spoil this episode. We're going to spoil a lot of other things, too. So let's just get going in here. Uh, we are talking about the episode Strange New Worlds of Strange New Worlds. It's the first uh, of the first season. Uh, hey, and, and Adam, in this series, where do they take us? Uh, I think they're taking us to Strange New Worlds. So Are they yeah, Strange, I, New, and Worlds? Yeah, so it's it, we're, we're getting a whole lot of this all, of, all over the place. Uh, this episode first aired on the 5th of May, 2022. Uh, it, the teleplay was by Akiva Goldsman. Uh, the story was by Akiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, and uh, Jenny Lumet. It was directed by Akiva Goldsman. It's all over this one. Uh, and the in-universe date is... Uh, and this was very strange for me when I was uh, watching it, uh, but I see that it, it is uh, confirmed. It is 1739.12 slash 2259.42. So I, I guess we're treating the um, the 2009 movies as uh, still canon with how they treat their 
uh, their star dates, maybe. Uh, but I, I'm I'm a little bit confused about what's happening there. So maybe someone can like do a deep dive for us at, at some point. Yeah, um, let's talk about that for an hour instead of this episode. Yeah, let's <laughs> do that. I think that's what what the people came here to to listen to. So uh, this is a point where I'm going to ask for everyone's strange new takes. So uh, who's got one for me? Well, um, I think my strange new take, I don't have a good one for life right now because I already gave one. And so my strange new take is just going to be, thank God we are back to having the Star Trek that I've been waiting for for (laughs) so long. I'm so excited. I moved back from the microphone while I expressed my excitement in the hopes that it didn't blow out all of your eardrums, dear listeners. But um, I have been waiting for this. I am so excited that we have a Star Trek with a PG rating and not a mature rating. And so I can watch it with my kid. And it's just really exciting because Star Trek has always been a family show. How many people have you found out and talked to? Like, when did you first start watching Star Trek? And you hear that it was something they did with their families. Like, Star Mm -hmm. Trek is a family show. That's how so many people came to it. And I'm just really excited. And yay! Okay. But I didn't like the episode. I'm kidding. I totally liked the episode. <laughs> That's funny. You all didn't react. I was like, I don't think they heard what I like, said. Wait, what? You've got to give us a moment to uh, internalize what you just said. Uh, my strange you take uh, for life is that penguins look really stupid when they're going from kid to childhood to adulthood. You know how kid penguins have that like fuzzy like look where they're all like they look like basically if you if you take some static electricity they're gonna like you know their hair is all gonna stand up this i didn't know this i mean it's obvious now but it like they slowly lose that fuzz over time so that they have like partial fuzz and partial like so they kind of look like the older emperor penguins but they also have like these little patches of brown fuzz and they look really dumb and stupid so you should go make fun of them isn't that how we all feel when we hit the teenage years and we have like so many zits and we're wearing braces and we're awkward and (laughs) that's that's what this penguin i'm showing you on screen looks like look at this idiot he looks so stupid yeah okay so yeah take that penguins of the world i have dissed you um as i said in the last episode my strange new takes are again this week are not going to be about the episodes themselves I just wanted to talk us for a second about the new quote-unquote Star Trek theme that Star Trek 2009 created. Do you know what I'm talking about? Michael Giacchino. How do you pronounce his name? Giacchino. He created this new Star Trek theme, and it's across Into Darkness, Star Trek 2009, and Star Trek Beyond. And it's irrelevant because I feel like in Strange New Worlds, you see a lot of callbacks to the old TOS era Mm -hmm. theme. In Mm -hmm. Picard, we've seen some callbacks to music from the TNG era theme, which is actually Mm -hmm. the motion picture theme, but let's not go there. So you have all these callbacks. I'm now wondering when we're going to get a Kelvin Universe Star Trek theme callback in our Star Trek TV. Like, are we going to get... Wait, we've already had it in... Prodigy? And Prodigy has a a lot of uh, things in common where they they do callbacks to to things that are similar to that theme. Really? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and Giacchino wrote uh, the the theme for it. So it's possible that, that that's like why those hints are embedded throughout the episodes too. Uh, it has I, a different I, composer, but it like the, it says like it's weirdly saying that like the, I think he like sketched out the theme and then handed it to another composer. It's it's not in the the Prodigy intro theme, is it? 
because in, in the no, intro I thing, noticed they have... it in the first in the in the uh, the. Uh, what do you call the first episode of it? The, the premiere the or whatever. The yeah, pilot. Okay. Thank you. Um, it's, it was in the pilot when they discover either when they first discover the um, protostar or there are some of the scenes when they're when they're when the protostar is flying out of the mining area or whatever. There's mm. some callbacks to 2009. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And okay. I, I remember some within the, the mining facility as well. I will go back and listen because I really like that theme. I think the yeah, music of the from the Juki Nordid was very evocative. It's because yeah. it comes after like the best opening scene of a Star Trek movie ever. Yeah, Oof. so, so I, 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 I have yes. I have goosebumps. Okay. Because yes. you you mentioned the beginning That's of Star so Trek good. 2009. Totally, I'm like, Star Trek's never made me cry in the first five minutes before. <laughs> yeah, I was did. wondering which one you meant, but no, uh, it makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I I mean, just, I mean, you really shouldn't be detouring. I'm sorry, Adam, you're hosting. And I, I'm like, I was like, before we start recording, I was like, listen, guys, we got to do this one quick, and now I'm going to take us on another detour. Uh, th- I remember watching the Star Trek Chevron come on screen after that opening, and, you know, the Star Trek theme, like, like booming, that was like it's a moment that I can transport myself back yep. to, and it was just oh, yeah. so beautiful seeing Star Trek come back after Enterprise had been canceled. For and sure. I feel like that was a very special moment in my life. Um, Adam, were we together? Did we see it together for the first no, time? I, I saw it in uh, in Rockford, Wisconsin. With, oh, okay, so uh, we my, saw it, we, like but I we did. saw it again yeah. in Las in Las Vegas. I think is when we went and saw it for the second time together. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I, the um, yeah that that, that was a uh, I, I have similar feelings like the, I mm-hmm. uh, in the year beforehand I I uh, subjected all of my friends to uh, uh, watching all all ten Star Treks uh, before that uh, st- and like made them watch uh, Cybok uh, and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, so it what you're saying is you don't have friends anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I don't talk to many of them anymore, so that's probably why. Uh, so, but but yeah, I I, I mean, so uh, maybe this has given me my uh, out of universe uh, uh, strange new take, which is uh, I've never understood what the whole deal is with ASMR, but uh, I, I appear to be getting that uh, response uh, by just people talking about the first five minutes of uh, Star Trek 2009. So I, I just need to have lots of YouTube videos and like uh, Spotify tracks that I listen to, which is just people either saying bup, up, bup, up, bup, up, or like they need to uh, talk about uh, like uh, uh, 47 Klingon ships getting destroyed or like having lots of lens flares. Like that'll just do it for me. Kirk's dad um, dying. The ship gale getting destroyed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's doing it. Surprise, Romulus. <laughs> yeah, the dear listener, I'm available for uh, commissions for Asmur, Star Trek Asmur. That's really what did it. Okay, here we uh, go. <laughs> delightful. Uh, yeah, but so for the episode... Um, I've completely forgotten what my strange new take for the episode was. I remember having a good one a little bit ago. So uh, uh, just imagine that I said something cool here, uh, listeners. So hey, if it uh, comes back to you, just drop it. Hey, that was it really in. profound, Adam. I imagined something. That was great. Well yeah. done. Well said. 
Amazing. Uh, so yeah, uh, the episode summary uh, that we have here from Memory Alpha is when one of Pike's officers goes missing on a secret mission for Starfleet, Pike has come has to come out of self-imposed exile. He must navigate how to rescue his officer while struggling with what to do with the vision of the future he's been given. Uh, yeah, so I guess we... I, I mean, every episode, every episode of, or uh, every first episode of Star Trek has to have like a way that it opens up. Uh, how do we feel about the the tone that we get out of the opening of this episode? It was very clearly generations. Did anyone else feel like they were watching when they entered oh, yeah. the Nexus with uh, with Kirk? I mean, so I mean, even the cabin looked like look, looked the same. It was, yeah, it was very yeah, much generations. Horses. <laughs> the opening scene was the one with the the launch control, quote unquote, on the kid, the Kylie planet. Uh, oh, I've completely with, forgotten about that. But yes, uh, so so that, you're talking about Montana. Uh, I'm talking uh, about Montana. Yeah, yeah sorry, okay. sorry. Okay, yeah, I, oh, I, I can talk about Montana. Yeah, the, I had the same evocative thing, and I was wondering why we didn't get shirtless, handsome Mount cutting wood. Handsome Mount. <laughs> that does need to be his name. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not original to have come up with that. I found that on Reddit, and it's in another I've podcast. Had, I have two people, two people that I have admitted to my husband that I've had crushes on since we've been married. The first one is David Tennant, and the second one is Anson Mount. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Handsome Mount it is. Okay. Ooh, he's, 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 uh, he's showing he's his, his range. He's showing his range in this episode. It, he looks amazing with a giant ass beard. Looks amazing without a giant ass beard. <laughs> Did they just a call ship, him riding a shovel, riding a horse? Right, right. Did they just call him and say, "Look, don't change your pandemic look. Like we just need that for this <laughs> opening scene that we're going to film with you. <laughs> so, however you've been looking during the pandemic, leave it that way." Yeah, yeah. I hope that's his. That's been his pandemic look. That's amazing. <laughs> I think it has been. <laughs> well, um. Adam, I, I'm going to take us back real quick to the to yeah. the scene. Yeah, the sorry, it was opening, my fault I, that I, I jumped over the first scene. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I want to I, I want to make sure I hit on it before I, because there were some other things with that Montana scene that I wanted scenes that I wanted to mention too. But um, it was kind of a kind of again bait and switch where you know you have kind of. You don't. You're not shown the 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 makeup on these aliens, so it kind of looks like they're talking about actual first contact for humans, mm -hmm. and you're never seeing a mission control room. So they establish very early that we're on a very Earth-like society by establishing mm -hmm. that parallel by confusing the viewer in the first few minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was kind of clever. You know, it was also kind of cool that they were opening up with um, number one doing the voiceover. Um, you know, because isn't she the she's the initial voice that we hear in the episode, right? Mm -hmm. She's talking about anyway. I just think that's kind of cool too. It wasn't the captain that was that was the one who was opening it up. It was you know the female number one. Uh, quick diversion question again: Who is the best space, the final frontier, according to y'all? Uh, I'm gonna have to listen to them all side by side. They've made a YouTube of that already, right? Probably because you've got so, so so there's the TOS version which has a guy going space the final frontier and you know in the mid mid Atlantic accent. Then you've got uh, you know I, I think it's is it uh, Spock in yeah. the search yes. for Spock he yes. says that yes space the final frontier and he does that in 2009 as well I think mm -hmm. at the end of the movie. Yes. Then yeah, you've I, got Patrick Stewart. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, so I, I, I will, I have a special place in my heart for the, the one where they, uh, I think, is it Undiscovered Country where they do the edit of like, where no man, where no one has gone before. Like, I, I think that yes. one's good just because like, acknowledging the changeover. Yeah. Um, well, that's like, I love the signing off on that, the end of that movie too. When yeah, all the, yeah. I just thought like, that was cool too. Yeah, they that's, a, that's a great way to, to, to end things or, or whatever. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a toss up for me between, um, uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy and, and Patrick Stewart. I, 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 this one, I, I was glad to hear, uh, uh, Anson Mount doing it too, but, uh, it, I, I don't know that it quite hit it for me. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, I, I think we had, so is it, who does it in, um, so I think in, at the end of Enterprise, we actually get Archer. And, I think like, Archer yes. does, yeah. And he and, says, but, we're no man. And I was like, come on. Yeah, uh, I remember being <laughs> upset with that. Cause like, like we, we're allowed to just like say that that's not how it was. <laughs> but I think they, they have, so what they do in the end of Enterprise is they have both Patrick Stewart, they have the TOS one, and they have, I think... Um, Oh, well, now we're going to have to find out. We're going to have to, you, you have to make that now. All of them yeah. side by side. Yeah, they have, they basically do Patrick Stewart. Then I think it's Shatner maybe. And then it's, it's Scott Bakula doing the final line. Well, then that means that clearly Patrick Stewart is the best space. The final frontier. Because they use him as the first. <laughs> they well, must believe no, that he is the best opener for it. No, no. The, the best one is uh, when he did his French accent, uh, where it's spiss. Is there a recording of that? <laughs> <laughs> is there really? Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, they, I don't think they have the original recording, but they have Patrick Stewart telling people what his, <laughs> his take on it was. And they're just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, what we're going to have is that the Picards actually fled France during World War II, and they lived, they took up residence in England, and they didn't return back to England until after you were about a 10-year-old boy. And so this is why you have an English accent. Uh, okay, thank you for indulging me. And this is very much like uh, uh, Strange New Worlds. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I thought I did enjoy that mis that bit of misdirection that we have like in that f that first scene where we we see the image resolving. We're like, oh, it's definitely going to be the Enterprise. It's going to be the Enterprise. Here we go, everybody. Oh no, it's uh, the Kelvin or <laughs> something that's uh, much more uh, mirroring that kind of look. Uh, where it's I, it's I think this is more Archer, right? Yeah, it's the USS Archer, but it has that similar, like, uh, single uh, drive design uh, mm -hmm. instead of having two nacelles. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought that, uh, and maybe that this was just a, uh, like, this episode does have a lot of, like, feel of, like, TOS in the sense of uh, it's often, we go to a planet, they're not that different from us, but... Uh, reasons or whatever and then we have we we can sort of have our uh alien of the week that we learn lessons from we we get to have good speeches with uh which i i think um i felt awkward sometimes when discovery goes in and does and does the speechifying at the end or like read random parts of the episodes but uh here i i guess when when we when we're in this context of like alien of the week that we need to teach a lesson to 
I think the speeches uh, hit home for me in a way that uh, they felt a little bit out of place sometimes in other series. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess we might as well, uh, we can go back to Montana a little bit. So, uh, uh, generally definitely got some generation vibes. Um, and I, I guess, uh, are you, do either of you recall the, uh, how we kind of set up, uh, Pike's character in the cage, uh, and how there's a, there's a bit of a connection, uh, that we get in this episode here. Well, he, he, he has that fantasy where he's got a... Uh, a beautiful partner and some horses. They're on a picnic in the cage, as I recall. Yeah, so we've we established that that they that they have that uh, every good Star Trek captain has to love horses. Uh, but uh, I, I, the thing that I was meaning that's why Spirito said it'll be left behind. He didn't like horses. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, the, the, I guess the thing that I was trying to connect to maybe it's a it's a bit tenuous, but. Uh, Pike is haunted in the cage. Uh, I think that there's uh, there's a hint that he's. Uh, I think it's he's recently lost people under his command or something along those right. lines, and uh, he has that chat with the um, the doctor that isn't mm-hmm. present in this show. Voice uh, or something. Yeah, I forget mm-hmm. his name. But uh, uh, I, so we're 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 having a similar setup uh, where Pike is definitely haunted by the. Um, uh, uh, sort of that vision of his future. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll admit to uh, being a little bit worried uh, at, at that sort of start to this because so much of what I loved about uh, season two of Discovery was having uh, Pike be this sort of like very uh, optimistic and uh, sort of uh, 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 beacon of hope type uh, character. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, how did, how did other people feel about uh, this, this tone for, uh, for his character into this series? Well, I was, I think I was kind of wondering about that as well, but I feel like they, they were able to pull us out of that by the end of the episode. Not that it's yeah. not going to, ha- I think that may be one of the things that kind of arches over. They talked about, how there's going to be standalone episodes, but there are still kind of threads that go throughout yeah. the season. And so I'm sure that's going to be one of them, but I felt like he was able to get to a place where he could, he could work and move through that rather than having it pull him back all the time. So. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a great addition of complexity to Pike's character. I think you were, like you were saying, Adam, he's just this kind of ball of charisma and confidence on Discovery. Mm-hmm. And this gives him something to be tortured about. And who doesn't like someone we love being shown as kind of this tortured guy? You know, like we've we had that in The Breakfast Club with, uh, I forget the character who at the end raises his fist, but, you know, he's like this charismatic, cool guy. But there's clearly something haunting him on the inside. And that makes him, you know, all the more intriguing. So so I, th- I think it's, I think it's it makes a lot of sense in terms of Star Trek's history. But I think for this character in particular, I really like it. Yeah, and I, and I guess uh, the the only way that they could possibly make uh, uh, Anson Mount more handsome is by uh, giving him a tragic uh, backstory and a, and a, a tortured point handsome, of view. Matt. It's it's yeah. technically a forward story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we I, I it's what's interesting is is uh, 
this episode is still giving us the um, sort of the origin story for the the series mm-hmm. while being an episode of the week kind of situation. Like th- this does feel like we're. Uh, like the next episode is going to be another strange new world that we go to and and whatnot, but and um, I guess uh, uh, do we feel like this is a good setup? Like we we got a bit of uh, his uh, a bit of background for Spock, we got a bit of background for for Pike, and now we're just into it. Uh, uh, did did we want to have like a, a big only origin story focused episode, or does this feel like it uh, it did the job? I think it did the job. I think the other thing that I want to just call out is that it... I liked that there's the implication that um, Anson Mount has kind of a satisfying casual relationship. That's what I got with his little scene with Captain Battle. Um, And I liked that she was in the uniform going off to Captain Starship and he was all tortured and couldn't make sense of anything and had to, you know, be basically pushed into it by Robert April, which, hey, holy callback, Robert April. Nice. So cool. Um, another character from back in the day being brought back, uh, Admiral or Commodore Robert April. But anyway, um, so I liked the addition of a, 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 a partner to have breakfast with, with Anson Mount, the way, you know, that motif of it's classified gets carried through the episode as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right to the final scene. So I think it's set up for me the sense that everything in this episode is going to be meaningful and every scene kind of ties into another one in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's not, there, there are fewer loose ends, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there was well, also, made, the, oh, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say the motif of like being called to serve, literally, you know, the communicator chirps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's not answering it right away. Um, I like that as well also, but it was a little on the nose when they had the communicator sitting in front of the old timey phone and battle, I think tells, uh, Pike, like, hey, the phone's ringing or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that was funny of being like, oh, they call it a phone there too? or <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so I liked it, I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll say basically the same is true for my feelings on Spock and Prim. Well, and I think that, you know, it was, um, I mean, obviously if people had been watching Discovery, they're going to know when this is supposed to take place Mm -hmm. but they also do make it very explicit um when uh between the scene that the first scene between spock and pike when he's saying how you know i was wondering how you're doing and spock talks about the loss of his sister and so it was like very clearly they put it right on the nose this is right after the events of the end of season two of discovery happened you know because i had i did have some wonderings i mean i figured they were going to be picking up because the tortured knowing how his life is going to end kind of thing is compelling but Mm. um but there was a part of me that wondered if they were going to go back even further and show some of the stuff that happened on the enterprise before they rendezvoused with discovery and had those adventures so you know they just made it kind of well, and, and I think uh, I, I think I'm fine with us going into kind of like this nonlinear uh, uh, direction for this episode because it I I thought that this was uh, they they did for or they showed the consequences of our actions and in, in start like that's often what we do what we talk about in Star Trek is like there's sort of like the we have this inadvertent effect on uh, a, another civilization I don't know that we've ever touched on like hey 
doesn't anyone ever look up at the sky and like see us having these crazy space battles and uh like doing all these things and like doesn't that affect anybody uh and it it's that that was so interesting to me that we we tied into the the end of season three of mm-hmm. of discovery and showed season that two. season two of discovery that uh the the consequences of that uh made drastic changes on this society and like helped them discover uh sort of warp field effects before they were actually uh naturally would have been able to uh discover them um so yeah i i guess we've uh uh we we have a, a bit of uh going over to to spock uh and uh, discovering that uh, he is uh, about to get married, or or maybe is uh, has already gotten married. I'm not sure which uh, whether the marriage he actually happened at some he, point. He's he's getting engaged. So yeah. my, my read on the situation because in in um, the original series, Tapring is still I think his like I don't think they're I don't think they're married yet. I think they're just he's mating with her, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. as at that time but she wants to marry somebody else in that episode so I think the implication mm-hmm. is that here they're just getting engaged and I do just, just on the uh, topic of Tapring I do like that she's portrayed as someone who's a rule breaker just like Spock so it makes sense to me why she would uh, fall for him because mm-hmm. he is half human he has this emotional side as we've seen in some of the movies and, and uh, shows that he's been on so I think he, she seems like something. It seemed natural that they would be together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, uh, I, I appreciate the uh, showing the alienness of, uh, of Vulcan culture by uh, having them just be completely unbothered with like uh, uh, Pike calls in and says like, "Are you naked?" And he says, "No." And she says, "He's about to be. <laughs> this is a special <laughs> night." <laughs> I mean, when that Vulcan waiter is like, we don't do that here in response to the kissing, I was totally like, okay, so this happened in India in the 90s. But I guess I'll say I, I appreciated uh, having some water on Vulcan. I don't know that we've ever seen uh, a view of Vulcan that wasn't just like horrible, uh, like hot uh, copper landscape type looks. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that we need to spend a whole lot of time here with, uh, with Spock. It was just sort of a, uh, a nice little, uh, callback and connection to, uh, other bits that we've seen in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we get, uh, uh, I guess, uh, how did we feel about this hook getting, uh, uh, getting Pike to actually return to service? Like that, uh, that we have, uh, number one is missing and uh, sort of like setting up the mystery for the episode. Made perfect sense to me. I think I think he needs a strong reason to overcome his resistance and his dedication to his first officer. It kind of establishes again this kind of beautiful relationship that the two of them have. Mm-hmm. You know the, the kind of um, uh, Riker, Picard, Kirk, Spock esque mm-hmm. relationship that they have, and I also like the scenes with. Um, with between Spock and Pike to establish their camaraderie. So I think, just in general, also I'll, I'll just take this a little bit forward. 
it seemed like the characters were in a universe that was lived in. This is one of the first Star Trek premieres where it doesn't feel like we're seeing a bunch of characters who haven't met each other before. It seemed very natural. Every character had an established role that they just fell into immediately. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. Um, I, I was initially a little hesitant about that whole Lan security officer situation. Uh, and, you know, she is now number one. But even that just naturally kind of flowed really well in the writing. Um, Ortega's was, I, I just felt like I'd known these characters for years, mm-hmm. seeing them on the screen. And it, Did it, anyone else? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it, it's nice knowing the names of the bridge crew uh, again, uh, since D- Discovery like went uh, several episodes without even naming a single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very clear. Did anyone else think that Lon looked like, or Laon looked like a uh, drummer from... Yes. Yeah, at first I was like, oh my gosh, is that the same the, actor? And I, I was think like, it's, no, I think it's it? the, like, the, there's a little bit of the eye makeup that's right, similar. Right, right. But I, then she I looked more like, like the, Jennifer the Garner accent, as the episode went on. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like her accent occasionally slipped into something that sounded like she was, uh, uh, her original language was Belter Creole, uh, <laughs> uh, just like drummer. So yeah. uh, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I agree that there, I'm, I'm immediately feeling these characters in a way that uh, I feel like a lot of Star Trek I mean, they, they usually try to, like, have the, like, here's a character that has a tragic backstory and, uh, and whatnot. But uh, we are, uh, I feel like we're getting a lot of good uh, tone out of here, uh, and, and it's working out pretty well at the beginning. Um, I think this is probably a good point for us to uh, take a brief break and uh, join us in a little bit. Our conflict also started with a fight for freedoms. We called it the Second Civil War, then the Eugenics War, and finally, just World War III. This was our last day, the day the Earth we knew ceased to exist. What began as an eruption in one nation ended in the eradication of 600,000 species of animals and plants and 30% of Earth's population. Global suicide. What we gave you is the means to exterminate yourselves. And from the looks of you, you're going to do it. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have just been talking about scheduling things. So uh, with with that in mind, uh, yeah, so we're, we're on the Enterprise. We, uh, we're, we're getting everybody together. And uh, as we arrive at the, the planet, our strange new world of the week, uh, we get a, a, a bit of a, a deeper dive into what is actually going on when our characters look like aliens, uh, look like the aliens of the week when they go down for uh, avoiding first contact t- type situations. Uh, did, how, how did we enjoy that uh, that's, that section there or like that explanation? It's very painful. <laughs> I guess yeah. that makes sense, you know? But I thought also that was interesting. It wasn't just cosmetic surgery. Like they actually do. Yeah. It's on a genetic level or something. The, uh, so... I, again, I feel like this episode's writing was kind of brilliant in the way that they introduce a concept and then they use it throughout. Like the whole idea of it being very painful keeps coming up. It's kind of cool. Um, I thought the standout pieces of that scene were the introduction of Dr. Mabenga and their chapel, by the way. Which again, I love that Mabenga and Pike are close friends. Um, I wonder Nurse Chapel's whole like look is a little strange and kind of yeah. discordant with the rest it of the is. show in my opinion. It's kind of 
I, I don't understand it necessarily, but um, it's explained that she's a um, civilian, I guess. But it's they've given her like this jet white hair and like this, you know, completely white outfit. It's I, I don't know um, if it's going to be one of those where every episode there's a slasher film where like the blood spatters all over <laughs> Nurse Chapel's outfit, you know? Yeah, I, I, I will, especially since she's like she's an established character. We've seen Nurse Chapel before. Mm-hmm. Uh, several times, so like, wh- why is it like suddenly? Yeah, a, a, a very different look. But uh, at, at the very least, like the, I guess if you're if you're just designing the characters based on like how the actor is portraying the character, and then and sort of follow the costume design from that, like I, I think it fits really well. Uh, she has that kind of like wild uh, personality. Um, so I, I guess I'm excited to have a uh, that like our nurse Christine Chapel is like an interesting character and not just like, Oh, here's the nurse because we need to have a nurse that does a thing and like hits you mm-hmm. with a hypo spray. Um, so that I, I enjoyed the little chase scene that we had uh, at, at, at one point. Well, it was um, kind of fun watching, like just watching Dr. Mbenga and nurse chapel. Like they, they have been up to stuff before together. So that was kind yeah. of fun. You know, they didn't need to do a big thing, but just they had no, that little no, no. knowing exchange where they're like, ha ha, <laughs> we've mm-hmm. done this before anyway. Yeah. I, I felt connection between these characters in a mm-hmm. way that uh, I don't know that I've often felt that way in Star Trek before. And I guess maybe some of this is, uh, most of our other series start also when the show, when the mission starts, like mm-hmm. Voyager, uh, n- none of those people work together until the first episode. Same with mm-hmm. uh, TNG. It was sort of uh, half the crew were, were entering onto the Enterprise. So here, like they've all worked together before. It's just that uh, we, we've been in space dock for X number of months or something mm-hmm. like that. Um. Yeah, so uh, we we have that uh, uh, we decide that we need to like go go down to the planet, and uh, I well I, I guess we have that moment of danger, uh, figuring trying to figure out like what uh, why is the other ship derelict, uh, and uh, what what do we do about that? Well, clearly the answer is they have a giant star starship with just three people operating it, so they yeah. just couldn't fix all its problems, <laughs> and so it just broke down. <laughs> Uh, of um, all the things in the episode, that was the weirdest to me. <laughs> right, right. I, that was a little bit of a loose end, but, you know. Um, two things, real quick. Number one, I want to, uh, while I was doing some character shout-outs, I want to shout-out to Uhura, who we get introduced to mm-hmm. prior to this point when they were yeah. on their way to island. Again, I thought, I was, this was one of the ones I was most, like, unsure of, like, the recasting of, of Uhura and if it was going to work. Uh, I think it it worked really, really well um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think Celia Rose Gooding is a great place. And it's not like, we don't get one of those like unsure, weird cadets. We don't get the kind of overconfident, badass Uhura from the 2009 movies. We just get someone who's good at her work. And I yeah. love that scene with her and the guy from the planet when like she's like, oh, you remember that part in the game? And yeah. anyway, I just thought that was cool. It just seemed natural. And it's like, this is someone doing their job well, you know? So Same yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's, it's a way of showing that without having to go in uh, like that she knows a bazillion languages right, or, what, right. or, or whatever. It's just like, like, no, the communications officer is going to be someone who's like, like knows how to talk to whoever it is that like is coming up here. So I, yes. I thought it was a, it was a, a yeah, a, a really effective way to, to show that off. And one other quick thing before we move on to this stuff on the on the planet, Adam, um, 
is that I thought it was very creative in the way that the director of this episode showed us the different parts of the ship where they have Pike giving the message to the crew and we slowly show the like span down the warp core so we see what engineering looks like. We see the mess hall set. Gorgeous sets. Oh my God, the Enterprise looks amazing. Uh, Even the captain's quarters, like everything about the ship is beautiful and I, I really enjoyed it very much. Yeah, this is a, a perfect way to look at sort of the the retro look of the '60s Star Trek and how to how to update it without. Uh, I feel like it, in previous attempts at sort of updating it have often been like it's either that has to look literally exactly the same or that we have to ignore it and just like say that like well really it looked like an Apple Store uh, because <laughs> they would like uh, I I read. Uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry's uh, last notes, and he and he said that it was like an Apple Store, um, uh, if he had the money. And so it, it's like th- this just like is a perfect rendition of like giving it that retro look, but not looking like things are out of place. Like it, it feels like there's a reason, there's an aesthetic behind all of these uh, choices that they've made. So mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed even the like the oversized pads or the silly looking mm-hmm. tricorder because it like the, there's some intention that it feels like when you're looking at the devices. Yeah. Agreed. Um yeah, so we we get down to the to the planet and we uh we discover that uh it's it's a place that's not not that dis- not that different from our own uh with uh, a lot of hints of uh maybe we're not ready for the future that's coming. Uh uh how how did we feel about uh coming out of uh or coming down to see a world like that? I liked it. I liked what they did with it later uh, mm-hmm. in terms of kind of taking us, allowing Pike to draw parallels. Um, I think this was very much a planet in the Voyager and Deep Space Nine and TNG mold where it is basically a building from Earth with people in funny latex costumes <laughs> and outfits that look kind of very similar to stuff we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I thought it was pretty great. Well, and I thought, so I, just to jump ahead a bit, um, when we get to the scene, I liked Pike making the decision, like, look, we're the ones that really messed this up. We just need to throw the rule book out yeah, and just be clear and straight up with them. Like, this is what happens when you use this technology as a means of destruction rather than a means of exploration. Um, this is the trajectory that you're on now. Um, I just appreciated that. And, and, and hearing, you know, hearing the leader of, um, and I don't know if it was the leader of the planet or the leader of that society that they happened to drop into, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who just, you know, we can't, we can't talk with these people who are against us. Like there's no having a conversation with them. And, and I mean, isn't that how we all feel, right? (laughs) Like we, we all feel like we can't have a conversation with the people who see the world differently than us. And, and so, but that leads to really terrible things. Um, and so kind yeah. of a reminder of that. And we need to kind of keep that at the forefront when we want to just dismiss the ability of other people to understand our position or why we do things the way we do them. Or Yeah. And I, uh, the, seeing the world war three, but like actual images of it, it in Star Trek and like it mixed in with things that are like actually from real, real life. Well, I mean, they had video was, from the insurrection on January Oh yeah, 6th. absolutely. Yeah, that, like was, that, that was, uh, that was intense. Yeah. Uh, so that, that uh, yeah, that, 
I, I thought it was beautifully stitched together with the rest of the with like his argument and, and whatnot. But the, like that was one of the more devastating moments of of Star Trek that I remember, where it's like, oh, this is going to happen to us in the next couple decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really eerie hearing them talk about the second about the United States having yeah, two civil wars. Civil I was War. like, ugh. Well, I I didn't know that the that New York City and Washington D.C. had been nuked. Um, that wasn't something I was aware of, but it kind of makes sense now why San Francisco is the capital of the planet. Mm. Um, well, I, I think uh, in in first contact they said that there's something like uh, most uh, major cities have been destroyed. Uh, right. So like population centers like don't have people in them anymore. So I I think it's safe to assume that if it's a city that like we know of right now, it probably got a direct hit. Poor Minneapolis. What did we do to deserve this? Um, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think I think that was a very poignant kind of way of positioning it and i think it came across very seamless i think it didn't seem forced in a way at all no um the other thing i'll say about it is that this is i mean we were talking about how we all wanted this kind of more episodic show that took us back to old trek and what is more old trek than a captain making a charismatic speech that (laughs) fixes a decades-long war and everything just being okay because he had like a couple of slides and videos to go with his speech. Yes. <laughs> Which, all right. Now, this is my fucking bone, okay? This is why this episode is an explicit rating. <laughs> all of these fuckers on the internet who are like, I don't believe that this is believable, that this would happen, or that Rios would do this, or that Seven would do that, or Picard. Is it believable? That any Starfleet captain can fix an entire society's problems has it ever been believable? It's never been believable. Right. So don't don't come at me with believability. Like we just choose to suspend our beliefs sometimes. And you know, this is a clear moment where it's like just it made a lot of sense to be like, yes, of course, Captain Pike just stopped the war on his own. <laughs> That's why he's not going to get court-martialed for a disobeying General Order 1. <laughs> exactly. We just renamed it to Prime Directive. It will never stick. Nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit facetious, but I think there's an important point here that, you know, we, we use these kind of arguments about, like, believability, consistency, and all of this, but when it's convenient to us as Star Trek fans, when the emotions feel right... Mm-hmm. It's totally we throw believable. that stuff out the door. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like with, with uh, uh, Q giving a hug at the end, it's just like I, I don't care about all the other mistakes that happen <laughs> in the rest of the season. This was great. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So we, I, I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of the uh, the the main points of the episode. But uh, uh, one one that I, w- I wanted to give a shout out to was the. Uh, we have that uh, that Lieutenant Kirk is going to come up to the bridge, uh, or is, is going to uh, be arriving. Uh, how do we feel about uh, that reveal there? Porn stash Kirk. There we go. <laughs> Just like what well, I can't remember the name of the episode, but the episode where Samuel Kirk is played, or dead Samuel Kirk is played yeah. by William Shatner with a mustache. But the, those those weird little squishy uh, uh, aliens that fly around. It's the episode right after Doomsday Machine. Um, but I can't remember what the name of it is. Anyway. See, I'm just disappointed that it's not freaking Paul Wesley in a obviously fake mustache. Like, <laughs> Paul Wesley's going to play James T. Kirk in season three. And they sh- 
Come on, guys. Are you even <laughs> trying, Alex Kurtzman, if you're not doing that? <laughs> Completely unwatchable. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I, at the very least, they, they did give him the, the very porn stash, uh, which I, I, I appreciate. <laughs> did, did any of you, um, immediately when he came on the bridge in the blue outfit, be like, this is Guy Fliegman from Galaxy Quest? <laughs> that's funny yeah <laughs> this is i mean uh like uh, that, that that's kind of where i went because like he's got the whole look and i really need him to do this like the guy fleegman pose with the like <laughs> <laughs> the pointing at the camera like they do in galaxy quest be amazing amazing yeah uh i mean yeah it, it, i could see him him being like that because kirk's kirk uh the kirk that we know is not that far off uh in some ways so uh yeah i i guess uh, does anyone have anything else that we want to uh touch touch on before we uh wrap things up and get into our strange new takes or strange new whatever it is we do rate ratings <laughs> <laughs> 100 episodes adam <laughs> you've had 100 episodes to figure out um yeah yeah there was there was a few things that i wanted to just touch on um these are in no particular order um i think the the visual quality of this series is extremely strong like Mm. i used to think discovery was good um picard is obviously stuck a little bit closer to like showing us to not giving us a lot of CGI or even elaborate sets, I feel like the Stargazer was the first set where Picard really yeah. gave us something special. This series has kind of gone in the other direction, where we get the space, the the Starbase um, with the domes, we get Vulcan, we get the amazing Enterprise, we, we've got just unbelievable kind of sets. But then even the 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 starship itself, the 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 way that they've modernized the Enterprise, I feel like has given a lot of fans what they were looking for. I personally prefer the Kelvin Universe Enterprise. Um, I don't like the fact that they went with those like rotating bulbs. I know that's heresy, but like there are some things that should have just mm-hmm. been left behind in the world of the original series, and that's one of them. Um, but at the same time, I can't deny that it's a gorgeous ship, and when it drops out of the atmosphere, to like you know, be on top of the city. And Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many, there's so many great visual moments. Uh, and, 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 and it's in some ways, like discovery seems like almost ashamed of like its ship sometimes. Like, I, I feel like so, uh, it took a really long time for us to actually see the discovery, like in mm-hmm. the fu- uh, full frame shot or whatever. But uh, uh, this show is very aware that all we want to see is the enterprise and just gives us <laughs> absolutely every possible angle of this ship. It's also, I mean, I, I, I really want to point you all to looking at a screen cap archive of this episode because I do think it's a beautifully shot episode. Mm-hmm. I think it was directed by Akiva Goldsman. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he did a wonderful job. The visuals on this this season are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's... You know, the intro is one that Bill was writing on our internal Slack channel about how he loved it. And I, I think that is certainly a good, like, demonstration. But there's also just a lot of um, well-shot, well-framed scenes mm-hmm. um, in this in this episode as well. So I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, uh, I, I think that there, there's... Uh, 
just a whole lot that that uh, should be taken from like uh, other other series can like look look to this as like a, a great way to show things off and whatnot. Yeah. One other quick point I'll make is that we did not get introduced to the entire crew of the Enterprise and the ship. Hammer only got like a quick minute. The A&R character. Oh yeah. yeah. So um, I think that was creative as well, like holding back on some characters, giving us a few, and then um, for example, Ortega's got very little kind of screen yeah. time but what she did get she was in the captain's chair and she was making these like little quips so mm-hmm. i like yeah. the way that they positioned the introductions yeah there's there's clear characterization happening there and, it, and yeah it seems like maybe we're we're giving things a little bit of time to breathe um so i i i appreciated that that way of doing this and one final point is i think we should talk about lan's backstory a little bit and what we know about it so far yeah, it, it uh, so far it seems very Tasha Yar to me. Of like every uh, every scene, I need to mention my tragic backstory. Uh, <laughs> but it, like, so that there's something with uh, uh, her. It seems like her homeworld was invaded by the Gorn or something. Mm. But I, I'm also she was like, on a ship. It was called the U.S. It was called the Puget Sound. Okay, which is a body of water, much like the Botany Bay. Mm-hmm. Mm. and the Gorn captured everyone on the ship and they threw them onto a planet and made them basically bait for the Gorn interesting and she was the only one who survived so they like put her back on a ship and, ex- and s- to see if she would survive that exposure and that's where Una found her so is she an augment? that's the question yeah is was the Puget Sound a uh, a Nunian Singh piece of work. I mean, apparently, because La'an Nunian Singh. But... I mean, it's got, it's got, there's definitely got to be a connection. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so it's... it. it I, I, I hope that they do something interesting with it, but I, I the, there's definitely some of the, like, I mean, it's Star Trek, so someone has to be named Nunian Singh or Nunian Singh, or uh, someone has to be Spock's... Uh, sibling, or I guess now we have Spock. We don't need anyone to be Spock's sibling. So yeah, I was just reading. I always found it interesting that Nunyan Soong that that Nunyan was two different characters in Star Trek because yeah. it's an you know anyway it's just an interesting name. And I was like, why would you use Nunyan from Khan Nunyan Singh? also to be the first name of Dr. Nunyan Soong? And I was looking up. It was something. I think it was someone that Gene Roddenberry served with in the war that was named Nunyan, like that was the person's name and that's where he got the name from. I don't know. So I don't know that he meant there to be a connection between necessarily between Khan and um, Nunyan Soong. But the way they did Picard and the Enterprise, it certainly feels like they are having like, like because that name got used twice, the creators yeah. since TNG have been trying to find a way to connect those. Yeah, so it's it's much cl- like uh, maybe it, it has the heroic backstory in real life, but the in Star Trek lore, it's actually more like naming your kid Adolf uh, <laughs> or things like that. So yeah. it's I mean, also, we didn't talk about this in the episode of Picard, but establishing that the Soong in Picard had something to do with Khan. Mm-hmm. Ex- explains why Nunian Soong might date right. the name exactly. Nunian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, uh, those are the my points, Adam. Thank you for indulging me. 
Yeah, so uh, I think now we can uh, jump into our strange new takes, is I believe what we... No, I still strange get it wrong. Strange new ratings. Strange new ratings. I got it wrong again. Maybe we'll just edit that one out. Here we go. Emily, give it to us. I'm giving it a five out of a five. I've, it's the Star Trek that I've been waiting for. <laughs> ten out of ten for me as well. I This was a gorgeous episode. I mean, I... <laughs> I have been on a kind of emotional roller coaster of, of not of like, you know, between up and down, but just of happiness and extreme happiness listening to Star Trek music ever since I watched these two episodes of Picard <laughs> and of um, Strange New Worlds. I think we are so lucky as Star Trek fans in this day and age. I mean, how long has it been since we've got two good episodes of Star Trek in one week? Um too incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, Adam, I know you're you are a little bit, you know, you hated Picard and rated it a zero on ten. So, um, but, spoiler. <laughs> but I mean, I just feel so lucky, and it's 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 taken me back to kind of childhood days of watching Discovery and knowing that there was other Star Star Trek shows that I hadn't watched, so I could go and it was just like it felt like an abundance of Star Trek surrounding me, and I loved it. So yeah, ten out of ten. And uh, no argument from me. I'm going to give this one a 10 out of 10 as well. Yeah, consensus. Consensus. <laughs> we, we've done it, everybody. Uh, All it took was the series that ever. we started this podcast for to unite us. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine 100%. it was horrible? It was just like the worst. <laughs> I was we've been so waiting sad. for so long. Uh, podcast yeah. over. <laughs> like, sorry, this is our last episode because this, this show sucked and we're too sad to keep going. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you, uh, Emily and Notch, for joining me today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Max, Rudy, Dinah, and Bill for uh, uh, also being in the group with, with us. And uh, I want to thank you listeners for sticking with us for 100 episodes. And I hope that you are with us for 100 more when we uh, have the seven spinoffs of this show that happen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I want to give thanks to uh, Jishnu Guha for our theme music. Uh just maybe we should commission some other piece of music uh, from him at some point and we can uh, uh, take it from the from the uh, Alexander Courage theme or whatever. We can do, uh, do the uh, Giacchino theme guitar version. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I want to give a special thanks to uh, uh, Akiva Goldsman for uh, confirming that even though we saw some eyes being made at each other or something like that, both in the cage uh, and I think in, in season two between number one and, and Pike, we've confirmed, no, it's, it is not number one in, in, uh, in his bed at the beginning in Montana. So maybe that is not going to be a storyline we, uh, we will go with. We don't have to make the uh, 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 number one in the captain kiss. So um, there we go. Thank you very much. Uh, and join us next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.